the city. It's this sprawling, massive place, miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do those lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Why do they keep involving common folks in the games of the houses and guilds? I think they're the true power in Avalon, but I'm only one person. Then again, I've spoken with a blasted lamplighter. Have you? The streets of Avalon. This Fawford and the Grey Mauser-inspired urban swords and sorcery city of epic proportions holds adventure, intrigue, and a darkness that comes from its denizens both above and below. It's written for the world's most popular role-playing game by Brett Blazinski. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets to grab a copy. Hello, this is Wayne, a.k.a. Clever Name, on the Gaming and BS Discord. This is episode 361, Gaming and BS, being recorded on September 27th, 2021. Now prepare yourselves for the two putting the B and the S into gaming and BS. Brett and Sean. Take it away, guys. That was a nice little intro, Wayne. Thank you very much. That was pretty cool. Yeah, thanks, Wayne. So we still have, um, is the year of the BS where we still have some openings, yes? We do. So if you would like to introduce an episode of the show, we would greatly appreciate it. You don't have to actually say your own name. If you don't want, you could just you could just be a voice we've heard or haven't heard or anything you want. Yes, that's right. But damn, uh, you let you make up your own name. I mean, why not? Why not? So, if you are interested, we'd love to have you as literally part of the show <clears throat> by going to gamingnbs.com forward slash intro sign up, all one word. And that'll get you to a spreadsheet where you can put in your name, uh, your handle, if you want us to use your handle, and then a link to the download that we can grab and put into the show. Or you can email us. The instructions are at the top of the spreadsheet. So thanks, Wayne, for doing that, man. Uh, we appreciate Very it. Very cool. Yeah. Very nice. So let's see here, announcement-wise. I got my uh, <clears throat> Delta Green info posted up in the forums. Um, in the uh, So that went up today. Earlier this morning, I was a little bit behind this last weekend. I was going to have it done and then end up doing a bunch of shit at the house. But anyway, regardless, it is up. I so saw I'm looking that. For, looking for four players. Um, got my dates out there. Those are the dates I'm looking to do it. Now, let's say I don't get enough players or there's just not enough people like, look, man, I'd love to, but whew, can't do those. I will find other dates. But I figured, um, kind of like Sean did, I need to put a stick in the ground somewhere and say, let's do these dates at this time. Who's in? And if it turns out that doesn't work, we will adjust. Eileen did note, she said, hey, one of your games I'm looking to play on Sunday, she said, is on Game Hall Sunday. And um, she mentioned this on Discord, and I said, well, I'm actually, I'm still kind of touch and go whether or not I'm going to go, watching the whole Delta variant thing to see what's going to happen with, uh, with Game Hall Con, and I'll make my call. But regardless, I think I'd like to keep that date as like, you know, as the date for that for that session. 
And Sean, much like you said, and I posted as well, I mean, I'm sure something will change. Somebody will say, hey, I can't make this day. We signed up for two sessions and oh shit, I can't make this. Can we adjust it? We'll have those discussions. But um, anyway, it's up there. Take a look. And uh, my preference just for how I operate, uh, I've got my email address out there. So people just email me if you're interested and then we'll figure it out. That's the, the easiest way for me to... I always check my email. I don't always get remember to get to Discord depending on what's going on with work and so on. So it's just an, a much surefire way to make sure you get in front of me. So there we be. And Sean, speaking of the Delta Green experiment, you already had your session zero. How'd that go, man? It went, I thought, really well. We um, one person had to bail. Um, Nick got a new job, so it's four players, which I'm glad I went okay. with five. Um, we went over the pitch pretty, you know, I, I was telling people that it was very similar to being a professor on their first day of school. Huh, okay. Setting the expectations, going over the syllabus, assigning homework. As you can see, <laughs> if you do not turn your work in, you will not receive a passing grade in this class. Right. Yes. Okay. So we, um, what was I going to say? The we went over the pitch. We went over um, cats, right? The the tone and the system, and you know, or whatever. I can't remember remember what cats is. Um, went over Foundry briefly and said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do." Um, you know, here's how Foundry works. Is everybody clear on their characters? So everybody's given me their hundred foot view of their character. All right. good. Yeah. Eileen, um, just started making her character, but she, she knew the concept, anthropology, archeologist. Very cool. Working with, for the Smithsonian. Um, and then I, I, everybody should have their characters done and completed and fleshed out as late as Wednesday of this week. So we could kick off session one next Sunday. So I know Brett is, um, I know Brett is going to have some of the slots on Sundays as well. Yep. Um, so a heads up to you, sir. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have a hundred people or 20 people. So you might, have a lot of people with the scheduling conflict just as a heads up to you. That's why I started. Yeah. I figured I'd, I'd start this day. It's, it's a preference for me. However, that said, if people are like, look, it's just, it's a pain in the ass. This is not a good day. I'll change it. Yeah. Right. I, I could move it to Fridays or something along those lines. I'm trying to, I try to pick something I thought would be innocuous, but it might be, uh, it might not be a, a free day for a lot of people. So I will, uh, we will adjust if, if needed, but Sunday just happened to be the day. I'm like, you know what? That'd be a damn good day for Brett. Let's see if anybody else is ready to go. And it's like anything else with um, a game group. Hey, I want to run on this day. Oh, geez. Oh, gosh. Can't make it. Okay. How about this day? You know, we'll, I'll negotiate it around. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so it went well. I thought it was, but it, yeah, I think it went okay. The only reason I hit him and Hawes because, you know, I'm not, when I'm talking too much, then I'm kind of like, eh, you know, like I, yeah. I want the players to talk and kind of bounce things off of each other. And, um, but I, th I think session zero is a little unique 
So session one, they'll get their time to say a lot of stuff. Session zero can be heavy on the game master speaks because that person has a lot of this is how I want to run the game. Do you have any questions? If people don't have questions, sometimes there's very little conversation, right? Right. You like this? Okay, cool. We got a big thumbs up. I'm going to want to do this thing. Thumbs up again. How about this? Thumb- what? Shit? Y'all good? Well, we're all good. Let's roll. Yeah. So that's that could be a really good sign, too. So I'm really glad that you got it up up and out there, Brad. I was starting <laughs> to worry a little bit, but I'm glad. It's just scheduling as hell, yeah. like everything else. But I want to do it, so I'm like, I'm going to find time. Well, if there nothing was... else at this point, I'm going to get people say, I want to, but a bad day. I already had uh, one of our listeners say that in the forums, damn, not a good day for me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, um, maybe it'll change. And if it changes, I'll uh, repost and say, hey, guess what? Turned out Sunday's a bummer. Um, not enough players. Nah, people can, but not this time. How about we go here instead? So we'll make it happen. Um, depending on how quick I go and when you start I may be almost done by the time you start which isn't bad or good it's just it may be timing wise having said that I don't I'm toying around with how we're going to launch it to the public and I did record session zero but I'm gonna edit it a little bit because I think there's going to be some things that are like now here let's go over foundry you're not going to see it I'm going to, you know, get, take that part out of there. And and nobody cares. And nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, uh, you know, we're probably going to good. Um, I'll probably put them out there as I edit them. And if it happens to align, because what hap- what I could see happening is we record them and then it takes a long time to actually edit and release them. Mm. And then Brett has his already in the mix. So it'd be nice if, if Brett and I had ours, like all like Sean releases episode one of his or session one, then Brett does. And then you can listen to both it may not work out that way, but you'll have all of them. And then you can determine how you want to listen to them the way you want. So we'll probably put them in a separate feed than the main gaming NBS. And I only say this because I know Brett's like, well, just put it in the same feed and make them bonus BS episodes or what have you. The only reason I say that is because I've, Craig Shipman, I, I use him as an example, Third Floor Wars. He puts his interviews, his Malifaux, his actual plays, and three different actual plays that he's running all in the same podcast feed. Certainly his choice, there's nothing wrong. He's not doing it wrong. That's not why I'm calling oh, no, it. No, it's just there's a way, there's just there's so many different ways to cut this. Yes. Right. We could have done his X, could have done his Y. Your your discussion with me was like, hey, we've got let's do this other feed thing. I'm like, I'm cool. Right. Whatever we want to try. And if nothing else, the the opportunity here for us is like, if we try that, we're like, huh, that didn't, uh, that didn't, you know, it didn't work out that well. We should have kept it over here or whatever the feedback is. So first time we're doing something like this, it's worth a shot. Plus I kind of like if gaming and BS has certain album arts throughout Apple podcasts or, you know, yeah. Google podcasts or whatever, like it, then it's spread out. I think people put it all into one feed because they don't want, they, they want to serve everything up as much as possible to all their listeners, which is great and fine. But I think with doing that it, to me, when I go through Craig's stream or anybody's got multiple APs in it, it's kind of a pain in the ass because I don't, I may not want to listen to. Look, everybody knows I'm not a Malifaux player, so if well, t- I'll tell you what though. I, I I get what you're saying. The cool thing that Craig I I think has got there is like he said, this is how I'm doing it, right? And if you're listening to Third Floor Wars, it totally makes sense. This is how they roll. Sure, this is the schedule. This is how things happen. This is brand new for us. Is doing this type of thing, right? And I think it's totally worth 
if we were to inject this into a seven-year setup, I don't think it'd go over well. So I buy, I buy what you're selling. And I don't you know I mean? think our listenership, I don't think because we put them together or we separate them, our subscriber base is going to be that much bigger, better. No, if nothing else, for those who do not give a shit about it, you can ignore it. <laughs> or, or, or people that don't give a shit about this show. But like Delta Green. But like Delta Green. And so they say you should, if you have the same audience, you should all keep it under one feed. I don't believe we, the two efforts are the same audience. And well, we'll find out, man. So it's all good. Anyways. So there you go. Yeah. Any more gaming for you besides that one? I gamed cyberpunk red. Okay. I, I, I thought it was a fun session. Um, it was a shootout and yeah, shit hit the fan. Uh, my character got extremely high, uh, <laughs> on drugs cause he, so it was crazy. Got some very flattering comments from my other players. Did you? Yes. Awesome. They, they were, Hey, I really like it. When Hendrix, who's my character, like mm. when Jimmy says Hendrix, you get a phone call. Like literally, Crystal was. When I hear Jimmy say, my the GM say, I love it when he says Hendrix, you get a phone call because I know it's going to be. I, I love Hendrix and I love how Sean plays Hendrix. Right, it's so, going to be off. Yeah, it's going to be off. It, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. fun. That's so that's awesome. It's, that's it's cool, yeah, man. it was very nice to hear and uh, yeah, it was fun. So that but it. Going into the adventure details, not a big deal. I have Thursday Night Forbidden Lands, which we may touch on in this episode. Um, we, mm -hmm. So, spoilers to some of the guys that are in that group. We'll keep it generic enough. but It's conceptual, not specific, is the idea. I'm right. just trying to make it not quite so hammery. Brett, you played... I was supposed to have a... I was supposed to run my... Uh, my Greyhawk game. Did not happen. Divestiture at work ate my life. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. Not going to run on Tuesday. Sorry about that. But then yesterday, Sunday, AJ ran his next section of his Midgard campaign for Alana and I. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had some nasty cultists show up in the town that uh, our characters are now in charge of. So the deal with the cultists, go find out this problem, sort this out. AJ at one point had given us a bag of beans, the magic bag of beans. Magic like you bag. You always so, get the magic bag of beans. So we planted one. Um, my character planted one. Like, well, I'm going to do this. Maybe it'll cause something to happen. And what? So this huge statue appears and starts threatening us. And we're like, it's not going to attack us. It's just annoying. So we're going to leave. Then the statue's only job apparently is to tell everyone else who shows up where exactly we are and how evil we are. So like, God damn, this stupid statue. So these hunters come out of the woods. They're talking. The statue's berating, you know, just downplaying us. So we're talking to these. Hunter's like, look, they ignore the statue. We're good people. We we actually run this town of Rustenford. It's okay. And like, I don't know. That's kind of magic beans. Like, yeah, look, just like this. I plant another one. And my daughter's like, hey, Dad, what are you doing? And we uh, I apparently grew a massive 90-foot-tall pyramid with a uh, mummy lord inside. <laughs> <laughs> appeared so as you do we took care as you do we took care of that and now um our town has a few hundred more gold pieces which we donated from our random treasure and i told all the stonemasons uh there's a pyramid out there tear that down we need to improve the walls of the city <laughs> it was a little comical but kind of fun 
this um let's see here oh and last saturday i actually got to play um out of the abyss second to last session um which got me thinking about the topic for next week but regardless we'll get to that eventually and um it was interesting we got in a position where alignment mattered alignment doesn't matter all that often in 5e at least to me but it came to a point when we had to make some ethical choices to where we wanted the final event to occur. Initially, my high elf was like, you know, fuck those drow and Menzel Baron's on just, you know, if it burns the whole thing down, it burns it down. But after going through the city, meeting other NPCs and other people, my lawful good elf was like, you know, look at the character sheet. It does say lawful good right there. Yeah. You know what, guys? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to move it out. We're going to do this. So it became, it was a really good discussion we had. It was all like, the bad thing's going to happen. Where should we have it happen? We had a lot of good reasons, pluses and minuses, but some of it came down to what would my character, not some of it, it came down to what would my character argue, not what would Brett argue. And, and I looked to the alignment for guidance, as everybody at the table did. Nick's like, well, my alignment is, Zave said the same, as did Beta, and we're like, okay, this is uh, this is the uh, middle ground for all of our belief systems. Well, that's what we're going to do. So that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. I'm back on with um, Brayhawk tomorrow. So I'll be looking forward to that. That should be a good time. Sounds fantastic, man. And this is about it. Are we ready? We good? Yeah, let's get into Random Encounter. Yeah, let's do that. Random Encounter, a segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. You. First one is Gabe comments on no right answer. Um, let's see, here we go. I got the impression that Brett wants more feedback on this recent discussion, and I think I have something for him this time around. Uh oh, I'm gonna let me get comfortable. Gabe's gonna lay some wisdom on me. <laughs> I said this many times. Our listeners are sharper than we are, many, many times. You guys here and uh, you folks here and see stuff that we don't. So all right, what's Gabe got? So the episode is titled No Right Answer. And in fact, the episode description specifically states that when you have any encounter, there are quite nearly unlimited options for how you will solve it, emphasis added. But when Brett and Sean actually began to explore this topic, I began to seem like more realistically, and according to how the hosts frame the conversation, most encounters present two or three reasonable, so- excuse me, reasonable solutions. Or do they? At one point, Brett feared that he was rambling, and he may have been. I was. And if he was, I think it was because this topic would have benefited from a grounding in what we might define as three different modes of play. Here are the three I propose. Railroad. Railroad in, in a railroad, which Brett specified he was not talking about, There is not only a right answer, but of course, only one answer. Any game master running a railroad is going to have to construct the adventure to remove every option but one, or at the very least, pickle every encounter in a quantum soup. Choose your own adventure. In these, the GM predicts the most likely choices that players are going to make and consequently prepares for them. This is when, as Brett and Sean suggest, two or three most likely choices will emerge. But this of course, is misleading. As Brett and Sean themselves know, every game master has experienced many absolute game breakers of player choices that the GM never could have anticipated. So, 
Is there truly no right answers? Of course, there aren't any right answers, but the nature of Brett's discussion would suggest there are preferred answers, and those answers are determined by the game master, by what the GM has prepared according to the choose-your-own-adventure mode of adventure design, and also because of a general footlight uh, sense for what would be most satisfying and dramatic according to the narrative and according to the GM. It may be that Brett conforms to the director mode of GMing in which he is constructing what he considers to be a compelling story, which actors who aren't always cooperative with actors who aren't always cooperative. Many times I heard him talk about dragging a PC to his location or heavily framing the available choices a character might take by presenting a menu of three no right choices Perhaps, but it definitely feels like, according to this GM, there often are three preferred choices. Sandbox. So I don't think Brett and Sean were thinking about this mode at all, at least in reference to this topic. A sandbox relies heavily on yet another mode or style of play in which very little narrative is constructed before the game begins, but locations most certainly are. In this mode, PCs choose a location to explore. Incidentally, locations uh, often also are presented as a menu of two or three or more options, and story happens as the PCs interact with the material in those locations. Another name for this mode is, of course, emergent storytelling. It's in this mode of play that I believe we most often see, as Brett proposed, a narrowing of options. As PCs interact with their environments, uncovering and manifesting NPCs and world-building events, and as PCs begin to pursue their own agendas, the range of choices narrows to the point where PCs have to act on some obvious ones or something dramatic may happen to upset their own plans. There are two more considerations, of course, which I saw begin to pop up in the chat during the recording of the show, which involved just how much improvisation reacting specifically to explicit or implicit tells of the players, the GM is willing or capable of entertaining, and just how far sourcing the table is allowed to go through giving agency to the players to actually intrude significant narrative elements into the emerging storyline. In both of these examples, there is the opportunity for the GM to abandon entirely whatever meta plot had been considered before play. In these instances, the more important choices actually are those of the GM, who is reacting and responding to the actions of the PCs during play, and not those of the players themselves, who are making choices in awareness or ignorance of what may now be thought of as just one pre-considered rough draft of what actually now is an emerging plot. My point. Let me roll this up here. My point. I do believe there are no right choices, but I also believe that this very this very much depends on the mode of play that is being adopted by any given gaming table. Some games allow only one narrative choice, and the only actual choices of those are in how the players engage with the mechanics to resolve each railroaded encounter. Other games heavily frame two or three or more most reasonable choices, thereby implicitly encouraging players to be good sports and to lean into the intentions of the GM's game scenario. 
and other games quite truly offer unlimited choices as long as those choices accord with the genre and metaphysic of the game experience being explored at the table. Hmm. Interesting. So I, my first, my first instinct is anytime we pigeonhole anything into right this mode, this mode, this mode, I block at that. I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. But Gabe has good explanations and narrative around why he's choosing to um, put things in these boxes, which makes sense to me. I would almost say that <coughs> I am doing all three at once or all three, depending on when it needs to be done. And that is where some of the practice stuff I've talked about in the past comes into play. So for example, um, in the streets of Avalon game, I ran for third floor wars and with Sean, um, I knew, let's see, I knew that there were, I knew the monster type, that I wanted the the main bad person and that there was a butcher baker and a candlestick maker. That was it. And Oh, I knew the P I knew the PCs cause I made them their pre-gens. So I knew five things, how you guys would play those characters or what you would do or how I would describe any given scene. I absolutely made up as I went. Um, the reason I use the three options is because from my perspective, even during the uh, the sandboxing or the, the the seemingly wide open expanse. Um, I believe the reason I, that Sean and I got there, at least I, I I thought I was being clear on this, and maybe I wasn't, or maybe I was, and it doesn't. You know, either way, is when I'm making everything up based on what I think is supposed to happen. We're going to talk about this a little bit here in, in the main topic today. Is if I don't provide some kind of options, sometimes the unlimited just people lock up then it becomes analysis paralysis. I can literally do anything. What do you want to do without any guidance? <clears throat> Sometimes the question is, what do you do? And they go, uh, and I say, I'll get right back to you. I give them a time to think and move over to the next group, next person, do thing, stuff, whatever. Are you ready to go? Um, uh, okay. So just if this helps, you know, or I see three things for you to do, or I see this is the most obviously logical. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do something different than that? Anything's good. So it's in how you frame it and how you state the the options and so forth. But I think I've actually, based on Gabe's description, Sean, I think I've done all three of these in a campaign. Sometimes in one session, depending what needed to be done. Because I don't think I could run... I don't... I, I think if you run a campaign... This is off the cuff of my brain here, Gabe. If I were to run a campaign in only one of these three modes... I don't think I could. I don't think Brett can do that. I feel like I I bop between them depending on what the situation calls for. I don't know why I do that, <laughs> but that's what I think I'm doing. What do you think, Sean? Is do I do <laughs> I think, read that? Do I think that's what no, you what, do? What, no, I'm just asking you what you think about Gabe's note here. Then you can. I, I say love you it. It's good stuff, and it makes total sense mm. to me. Um, it's solid. It's well thought out. Yeah. With the other, it's good stuff. Yeah. You can call BS on me too if you think I'm full of shit. I don't think that's the case, Brett. And you know that I definitely would not hesitate to do that. That's very true. You would. <laughs> I like it though, Gabe. This is this is the type of stuff that honestly BSers come back at us with regularly, with well thought out and insightful stuff. And I go, huh? They just made me think, and that's good. that's really cool. Yeah. 
because as we have these discussions, it helps me get better. And I hope that it helps other people think about like, Hey, if I'm doing this this way, does that matter? Is that okay? And all that good stuff. So yeah. thank you, Gabe. That was uh, how long it took you to write that man, but that's good stuff. Thank you. All right. My turn. You ready? I'm ready. Move on. You good. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Tom commented on no right answer. Well, if you come up with an answer that results in a TPK, I would suppose that could count as a wrong answer. I do often set up encounters where I have no idea how the players will approach or solve them. The encounter is usually a result of their actions and just what would logically happen as a result. There have been a few times where I honestly had no idea how they could possibly get out of a situation and that death or capture was inevitable. They almost always surprised me with some action or plan that I honestly had never thought of and make it out. I'm as happy as they are when that happens. I absolutely agree, Tom. I've, I've told the story about my buddy Alpha in my uh, Greyhawk game. Uh, re uh, reverse neutralized poison. He memorized it backwards, which is a poison spell. He slapped the Draculisk upside the head and fucking killed it. It was like they were they were getting their asses handed to him. Like, oh my god, I don't know if I, how we could live. Two people just got turned to stone. This horrible thing happened. Somebody else is down to like negative eight. Oh my god, we're gonna die. There, poison dead because I failed the saving throw. <laughs> and uh, again, total surprise. I had no idea that such a thing could or would even happen. So it was uh, that shit's cool. When players get in over their heads, you're like, wow, let's see how they get out of this one, right? That's, I like doing that. Do you do that stuff, Sean? I don't know if we talked about that, really. As far as... Allow players, allow players to get in over their heads. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because I don't think they realize they are when they do. So I do... But do you, but do you allow it? You, like, you don't, well, hold on, are you sure you want to, you double triple sure? Yeah, I don't, I don't. Or do you, I or don't. you don't, do you nerf the, you don't nerf the encounter, just take it easy. Hey, if they want to go up to Strahd in, uh, in the Ravenloft castle, like, that's, hey, go for it. And try, and try to kick him in the kneecaps right away. All right, go yeah. on, go on, kids. Yeah, I don't, uh, All right. that's what they did at the end. Like, the very last encounter that we, that we had in in Curse of Strahd was them getting in the care two of them two characters Jeff and Jason's characters getting into the carriage with Strahd <laughs> and the rest of the party were kind of like oh they're distracting him and kind of oh, walking wink, wink. around the, you know the carriage to get back to town so oh my god so they you know and the thing is though at the same time I kind of was um I want them to be able to do that and not bring the hammer down. Right? Like, yes, oh, I so can you do, easily... you do let them, well, you let them get over the heads and you don't beat them for it. Right. Because if that's the mm. case, that's the why I think sometimes, well, that's the trick with you, Brett. Like, I don't know. Um, you don't believe in encounter balance. I do not. So when the player characters get in over their head, and you throw them a bigger, they choose, or however it comes into play. Yeah, they're, they're suddenly in an encounter with a bad guy, big bad guy, big bad thing, big yeah. bad person, whatever it is. Monster, whatever. And mm -hmm. you say, hey, that's their choice. They've done that. And, and putting the onus on the players, not, hey, Brett had this thing come up out of the ground, out of nowhere. Like, mm -hmm. they've chosen to go... Let's go deeper into this castle or or dungeon. And oh, it's funny, my kids did that in, uh, in my Forgotten Realms game. They went down a dungeon, excuse me, down a tunnel <clears throat> that smelled like rot and decay. It was a ghoul's tunnel, right? With a gas at the center of it. They trundled down there at night, right? 
<laughs> it did not go. They barely, because of the paladin, they barely figured their way out of it. So I think when you do that, same with the Curse of Strad scenario mm. I just put put out there. If you say, well, oh, ghouls, white, and you bring the hammer on down and they don't run, there there's that's a choice. Correct. If you don't, some will say, oh, it's the GM pulling punches. Mm-hmm. Right. So you gotta have to contend with that. And then if you do, and then you're playing and they turtle because now they think every room is this bad badness and they're afraid to do anything and then they don't do anything. I honestly, for me, I think the ecology of the monster and the this is where the backstory or the goals of the NPC come into play. Right? Yeah. So the ecology of the monster is get away from my eggs. Right. The boule doesn't care. It just wants you to leave her nest. Okay. So as soon as she's driven you away, you're fine. The ecology of the, you know, Kodiak grizzly bear is you got between me and my cubs. I'll beat the ever living fuck out of you. Pop your skull. I may or may not kill you. Chances are I won't eat you though. I just want to eliminate the threat. People survive this. Some people don't. Right. If I take the ecology of the creature or the backstory and actually backstory, perhaps not right, but the, the goals and mission of the NPC into account and not every encounter has to be a murder encounter. Not everybody has to die. And it can be like, look, when the NPC decides to capture them, strip their gear, leave them bound up. As long as my players go, you let us have that. They understand this is what, as long as it's clear this is what the NPC would do based on their goals, objectives, and personality. Everyone's like, yep, that's how that goes. Monat gets a lucky next time. But we got lucky this time because this creature, this thing, this NPC behaved in a, in a proper way. Then it works. But it's not to pull punches. It's to me to be true to the encounter. That's how I see it. That makes sense? It does. And I... Th- I I don't know, man. I've got so much to unload with D and D and five E, and I don't. I think it's just I don't know where. I think it came from three O, and I don't know why. I really don't the balance. Well, I guess game balance. If you want to equate this well, th- dilemma with well, three O codified, balance. yeah, three O codified how you could tactically. By, by the numbers, sit down with your player character information and this information, and as a game master, have a quote-unquote legal encounter right. that was level appropriate, which is, and this is me guessing, I'm not one of the designers, but it helps to potentially eliminate the killer GM, the person who likes to bring out the, the horrible lich at the first level and plays every monster. Like it's a fucking murder machine versus this is how it works. This is his personality. This is its ecology and so on. <clears throat> Providing codified rules for as much slash everything as they possibly could. Yeah. I think it really hammered home the fact that this is how you're supposed to do it. Right. Right. And ever since then, not, not, and, <sighs> I'm not going to get a it's, lot of hate mail because the BSers it's a, it's a, no, know, it's a, know what I'm it's coming a pervasive, from. It's a pervasive theme. Right. 
that that transports itself through, right? Right, but it even you know, and even in individuals in the chat, we're like, you know, five E player characters, they're ten foot tall and bulletproof, and so everything is a hammer or a nail, and they're the hammer. There is that has been an ongoing theme. Your character died. My character died. Max died. Yeah, well, because I'm playing with Brett. He's a killer GM. Yeah, I'm a bastard. <laughs> I don't think that was. I don't think that was out of line, and I don't think I was. No, it wasn't going into something that might have been over my head. No, you just <clears throat> like if you would have said, "Hey, you. this is a lich," I'd be like, "All right, I am first level." Bye. Yeah. Like, see <laughs> you later. Were second level, it, buddy. It, so. It's also a one or two shot, so it's a different yeah. game. That is. But my point is, is that. I don't know if a lot of 5e players tend to turn tail and run. Unless they know, like, this is the deal. If we don't run, we're going to get squashed. Perfect example, you know, Curse of Strad, those guys did run at one point in time. So I don't want to say it's a generalization and all 5e players are like that, or a majority of them are, because even my own game group where I started getting them into situations, they were like, man, screw this shit. We don't need this. We don't need this. And they were, they left. And it was probably in the beginning of the venture where they could feel confident that what you're facing is probably on the same level. Like you as a party can probably take out what it, what you are potentially facing. Cool enough that they were like, you know what? We don't have to be the hammer and hit every nail we come across, which was refreshing. Okay. Like, I'll tell you one of the things that I've that I have learned over the years is that I think Goodman Games says it well with DCC is do not name the monster a la monster manual what it is describe the thing when I described the creatures in the Avalon game I didn't say what it was right right I just described it and like Roman when he first encounters and playing scout he's like fuck I'm not attacking it. You know, chose to talk to it, try to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> Excuse me, a few other times you're like, I'm not attacking that. I don't know what that is. That's kind of creepy. It's weird, you know. If I would have named the creature, that changes things too. And sometimes if you say, if you know they're goblins, you know, you see six goblins, that's different than a, than a, diff- than a descriptive approach. Anyway, we're, that's a different topic, but <clears throat> I get where you're going. Yeah. Sometimes I think knowing is almost not a bad thing. Sometimes it's good. Yeah. Sometimes it's bad. Right. Yeah, it's a lich. What? We're second level. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to get out of players. They'll be in a combat I'm like you, you realize we're third level, right? I'm like, oh, you, you, you. and I look at them and I say, you realize you chose to fight this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh yeah, that's right. Player agency, I'm, man. I'm just saying you, uh, you had opportunities. You heard the noise. You saw the smell. You saw the thing. You still went after the harpies who teamed up with the trolls. I... Side note, there was a t- tweet online where they said that the characters start in a town and everybody in the town are 10th level except the barkeep. So when they rough with the bartender, we're just throwing a piece of shit out of them. <laughs> so they were like, then people were coming up with stories of who the barkeep was. <clears throat> But I, I thought that was kind of interesting. So you have a whole town, and everybody in the town is like tenth level or above, and the and the PCs are first. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Anyways, thank you, Tom. Yeah. Appreciate the note there. Obviously, it took us down a little rabbit hole there, but good stuff. Yeah, thanks, Tom. 
Over to you, sir. All right. Edwin Nagy emails us on don't tell me what to play. Great episodes. Good get, good thoughts. I want to push you farther. I'm an engineer. Being nice is all is all well and good. Trying to solve problems is where I get off. <laughs> now we know a little more intimacy about Edwin. Trying to run a heist in 5e. Uh, bad answer. You should play Blades in the Dark. Nice answer. Are you interested in considering other ideas because Blades is a cool heist machine? Useful answer. I've played a bunch of Blades in the Dark. It does heist really well. Here's part of Blades in the Dark that I think would port over to 5e really well. Cheers, Edwin. See, that's good. That's the type of... <clears throat> The, the arrogant, snobbish, you're playing the wrong game tone of, <clears throat> you should just play Blades in the Dark. Thanks, Dick. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I asked you. <clears throat> I like the other ones. I actually like the useful answer the best. It's like, hey, I played a bunch of this game. It has some cool pieces in it. I think you could use this to make your heist really cool in 5e. Thanks, man. That's helpful. That not only tells me that you are trying to You've done a bunch of things. You're trying to help me actually solve my problem. <clears throat> the other one, the, the are you interested in considering other ideas, is a yes or no, right? Where the other one, the useful answer, as Edwin states, it is more of a, hey, I have some options for you. Maybe this will inspire you, kind of. That that's, has a broader appeal, I think, that type of answer. So that is very true, Edwin. Thank you very much. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I like Excuse it too, I like but I approach. still think people on Twitter are going to throw a conniption when you try to suggest something yeah this is why i started I, I i have gone through more and more twitter and i'm curating my experience more and more and more mute because mute <clears throat> is your friend man mute block mute 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 block 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 mute mute block because i'm like hey, you know what this person irritates the fuck out of me why am i why am i seeing their shit every day right <clears throat> they as a person i get along with fine this particular i do not enjoy reading this <clears throat> it's driving me batty I can still like you and not have to listen to everything you say all the time. Following topics has really helped out quite a bit on my experience. Yes. I'm starting to I'm starting to get into that yep. more. Yep. So let's see what else is up here. Beer Leaguer comments on don't tell me what to play. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like Harrigan's answer. Playing a single game steadily has increased my appreciation for system mastery. This is right out of our forums. Um, and Harrigan actually posted back towards an original post he'd had here, which is what's in reference. It's great to dabble in rules. It's healthy to, for the hobby. It's entertaining to read different books and consider new things. But at the same time, finish the sampler and pick a pint. <laughs> Take a leap of faith on the single system and allow the game to age like fine wine. The GM and players will steadily grasp the rules, and eventually those guide rails will become second nature. They <clears throat> then become invisible entirely. And that's exactly what you want as a GM, a rule set that gets out of your way. To Sean's question on what you do when someone says you should play X game instead of Y game. Not only is that statement inherently vitrolic, it, it assumes the person needs advice and is gaming the wrong way. Who really believes the recipient of this kind of pointed guidance would ever act on it, um, activate it on it? Imagine someone who spent days or weeks prepping a complex Lovecraftium game to hear, no, no, this could have been done better. This isn't hard enough to recruit players to commit to a long campaign while also teaching them the rules. It's incredibly difficult to pull off the hat trick, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to even get some gaming going in the first place. One, learn the rules. Two, create the adventure. Three, gather and educate players. That's a lot. 
On what planet would someone entertain the idea of exploring an alternative rule set on top of all the rest of the GM's duties? It's such an arrogant and elitist question, one that is likely born from that person's insecurities and engaging with an individual who actually done the heavy lifting and running, preparing a richly envisioned game. It's hard to imagine Brett or Sean or many of the other season BSers and GMs ever making such a statement. I like that beer liquor. <clears throat> That's well, well stated. Well stated. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, it, we talked about it and I think you, you've illuminated it here perfectly is that it, it, it just adds in what Edwin said too. It, if you come at this stuff and you, and you come off with an arrogant elitist approach, that's not helpful. Right. And as you said, Sean, I know in the Twitter sphere and other places where it's just sound bites, that's okay. The other thing I would also tell people is quite frankly, find a better community um, than Twitter to ask some of your, I need help questions. Um, the only time I've had a lot of real hardcore success on Twitter when I need help is when I was pissed at a, at my uh, cell phone carrier. I was pissed at, um, charter spectrum. I hit them. I'm like, this is bullshit. And within two minutes I had a, Hey, just let us PM you. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. They were super helpful. Um, I've had other people do it like American Airlines and other such things. They get better service. But quite frankly, going, hey, Twitter sphere, someone tell me how to do this thing in, you know, Star Wars. Honestly, it's, it's a bad place to go. Unless you've really seriously curated your stuff, you can sort through the bullshit. Find a community um, like the Gaming BS forums or our Discord or another Discord similar, you know, <clears throat> Matt Colville has a pretty decent um, Discord, or excuse me, Reddit. Uh, he's got a Reddit r slash Matt Colville, I believe, where he's got a pretty good community, their Discord for, I mean, find communities like that, you know, third floor wars groups, those, those types of folks, you can talk to them and get answers from people that at least you can't, you don't have to say no and trust, quote unquote, but you can at least go there and, and probably get a better answer than the soundbite answer. So, somebody, somebody recently in our Discord said they were on Twitter and somebody asked for a piece of advice on something that they were running or something that they were going to construct. Game master to game master, I believe, was the scenario. And one of them yeah. was get good, G I T space G U D. That was their advice. Get good. Wow. <laughs> the person Block. who posted it, I apologize for not remember the, remembering their handle, but they were just like, I, hate, I just hated that. You know, and they hate the phrase too, but they were like, why is your advice just that? Like, well, just it's get ins better. It's insulting. You know? Yeah. It's insulting. It's not funny. No. So I'll say this, like if Sean and I are talking, like we'll just get better, Sean. Right. And Sean goes, well, I don't what's, know, Brad, if I were you, I'd just, I'd just try harder. I, what's my we problem? Are friends. Everybody, I don't know, you, please tell me you my suck. problem. <laughs> problem, exactly. That's <laughs> well, because you suck, Sean. I mean, apart from yeah. that, I have known you for over seven years now. Yeah. We are friends. We, we have spent plenty of time outside of this podcast together. We hang out. We do blah, blah, blah. We can rib each other like that. Rando dude on, on, uh, on Twitter um, saying, get good. That's, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, nah, I actually don't mind it from our community because I know that a lot of them are, that's are funny. That's in, yeah, yeah, and that's in that's in good faith and right. good spirit and fun and friendship. That's just friends having fun with friends. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, that random crap online. Like, yeah, thank you. You're just being a dick. Fuck off. I, God, that crap. I gotta get off that damn 
platform. Anyways, thanks, Beardy. <laughs> Let's move on. That was Let's good stuff. On. Yeah, that Let's was get very into good. the main topic. All right, Brett. What, 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 what are you talking about this week, Brett? <laughs> so we get off, we get off the mics last week, and Sean starts talking about location encounters with his um, Forbidden Lands game. And, um, you know, sometimes it's like, how big do you make these things? How in-depth do you want to go? And um, building dungeons, using dungeons, building encounters, and, and so forth. And there's a, not trite, but there's a bit of wisdom that can be seen as kind of flippant that says, you know, how big does this need to be? How much time should we spend in this one location? You know, as long as it needs to be. You know, people say that about podcasts. It should be as long as it needs to be. And nothing and longer. That, and not one second longer. Right. Yeah, thanks. That's that's good to know. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's okay, but I think that there is there's an approach that I've taken that I think helps me a lot. And I think this is where when Shauna, when you and I were talking last week, Sean, I think we kind of landed on this to in a way, and that's kind of keeping the end goal in mind. Like, what what are you there for? Um, if the characters are, are in are in this dungeon. For example, let, let me do this one. I'll, I'll start off here with an example. So in my Greyhawk game, the guys went to um, this ancient dwarven fortress. They had to go figure something out. Something had um, caused the dwarves to leave. They lost some great faith. They were cut off from their dwarven gods. They had to do something. They're going to go there, right? So they're going up there. They're going to find out all this crap and a bunch of inf information for the campaign. Cool. So they get up there and they decide to take a slightly different route to get in that I hadn't thought of. They're going to go in through the basement. Basically, They find the back door, this crazy ass weird goat path thing that gets them to an entry point into the burial ground, the crypts underneath. I'm like, oh my God, this could be cool. They ended up spending three sessions in the crypts. By the end of session three in the crypts, it was very clear that they were getting tired of this. They had some fun. Right, doing the dungeon crawling thing, fighting the shadows, dealing with this, fighting some Darrow, finding out some stuff. They got a bunch of details like, okay, we have a bunch of good data. We need to act on it. I had three more levels of dungeon above them. It was very clear by the end of that session, like, okay, so the big stuff's upstairs. We'll get there. We'll get in. We'll find this out and we'll get back to, you know, they viewed it as a side quest, like a place to go get data, not a campaign location of a dungeon. And I, on the other hand, was prepared for, effectively, four full levels, the one, the crypts, plus the other three, of a campaign location, right? I play in this big dungeon. And I'm like, huh, I got to crush this sucker. Because the end that I had in mind here is that they're going to find out that there is a sphere of annihilation that is basically a, a hole between the prime plane and the negative material plane and this is a feature slash function slash clue of the problem that they're going to be facing. It's like a big clue by four. If they can pick it up, it would be great. And instead of having them slog through the rest of the dungeon, because two of those three layers were just monsters to kill, traps to avoid, hit points to suck off of them, just that type of stuff. All the cool shit was on that third floor. So I just went chunk, dropped it down and eliminated those other two floors. No one gave a fuck anyway. Off we go. And I did that because I could see what the players were doing and I knew what they wanted to get to. They made it very clear to me. So I'm like, you know what? The goal is to get them to this piece of the dungeon. 
I'm not going to cut it right to the very end, but I can have them start, you know, go from the crypts to this next level and they'll work their way through. They'll make their decisions. We'll see how far they get. Right. So to me, that was that decision was based on my player feedback and what I knew that we quote unquote needed to, or I wanted to try to um, get them through. It doesn't solve the campaign, but it was a clue that would help get them some information and some magical gear, right? If they could get there and they still have to win the fight, they got to do smart things and so forth. I could get them there. So that's, does that make sense to you, Sean, doing it that way or how I did it anyway or what, or why I did it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it makes sense for sure. Um, okay. You know why you would have done it a different way. It would have been, up to you. No, be wrong, Sean. You're trying, to, it's wrong. you're trying to abbre- you're trying to just abbreviate it. You're like knowing they're not gonna explore the rest. What I did on that was I'm like, they're bored. They were bored with the dungeon. They ah. spent three full sessions in one floor. And they're like, holy crap, that was fun. We want to get back to the rest of the campaign. Because they knew some cool they, they there was all this pressure, you know, we have to figure this out because the Duchy of Jeff is in danger. We have to do this. And they started talking about the fact that they're burning daylight. You know, we're wasting a lot of time. Oh my God, this quest is taking forever. If this had been this long, I don't know if we would have done it. I heard that type of talk and I thought, okay, I, I need I need to do something because to keep this campaign moving and to keep people engaged, why are they here? Right? They're they didn't come here because, like, well, we gotta level up. We got we need five more levels before we can go to the next dungeon, right? Or we're going here specifically to do there for two things. See if they can reclaim some of the uh, the dwarven history and lore and to find out this problem, right? So they did both of those things. It just seemed like I'm just dragging shit out for the sake of dragging it out because I had a map. What's the fucking point, you know? And that made me think about our conversation when you were saying, hey, there's a there's a dungeon tower encounter or, you know, how how do you want it to to work out like does something lead to a town should they have should this be like a place of adventure you know that type of thing so my thought was as i don't know enough about forbidden lands itself sean but my thought when i talked to you was like hey well what do you want them to use this thing for what's the what or what options make sense right well they they need to get to here because that's the next piece of a quest or it's a, and sometimes when we say they need to get, that sounds very railroady, but like, look, we want to keep things moving, you know, do they want to dawdle and spend four or five sessions in a, in a dungeon? And that's kind of what led, led us to the piece. Cause I'd asked you that, did the, do the guys in your forbidden lands game want to spend three to four sessions in one tower slash dungeon? <laughs> Well, that's funny because in one of their their wishes, right? So I used stars and wishes and started implementing that. You know, was it'd be nice to get into like a dungeon crawl, um, or an, a, a site to explore. Mm-hmm. So maybe not specifically a dungeon crawl. Although I thought Kev might have mentioned dungeon. Um, I also don't think that they want to spend time in the mega dungeon. So I think if and where they are currently. Um, so here's the thing with Forbidden Lands. 
I want them to get to places that they that are different, maybe new, um, and learning new and different things. So when I ran it the first time, and even up until this recent point, I was very conscious of getting them to quote unquote, a site or ruins or a dungeon to explore. I don't want it to be 50 rooms. I don't want it to be a slog. I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be that right. One, because I think that if they get a taste of it, they will either opt to like it or not. I just don't think the group is a 50 room dungeon crawler group, but I think what's that? So I was going to say, borrow maze is not coming to right. you. Well, now <laughs> wrap on a thought is not buried somewhere underneath. Now, at the same time, I could see taking a dungeon like borrow maze and putting it in a hex. They come across it, realize it's like this big, elaborate, you know, intricate underground thing. Thing, yeah. you know. And borrow maze is supposed to kind of be run like that. Like it's, you don't go through it all at once. You kind of go there, you know, it's there, it's got stuff in it. You go in there, you delve a little deeper, you get out. You do yeah, very thing. old school, right? You, yeah. you would do that. You'd have a town then you go to the dungeon and then. Yeah. And then you go a little further and go, yeah, you go a little further, you go a little further, which is fine. And I don't have a problem with that particular approach. So that would be the way that I would approach with a dungeon. Now, in the same token, there's other elements of the game. So, even back up just a second. The other option is to continue to run the game much like I have, which is, okay, are you going to go into the next hex or not? Do I have something prepared in that hex? Yes or no? If no, roll up something random let them do their journey rolls, see what yeah. happens. I mean, they spent the day on a beach, one one adventure. I remember that, yeah. yeah. Went fishing and stuff. Yep. So you never really know what these guys are going to do or what they're not going to do. That doesn't mean that I couldn't have something prepared so that if they go left or right straight, I don't. I already have something to put in front of them. But having said that, there are elements of the game that I think they haven't had a taste of that I want to give them an opportunity to get into. But I'll tell you what, the thing is with Forbidden Lands, not to hash that game out too much, is that Harrigan, Harrigan's character sp- specifically, I pick on him and bring him up because he's suffered a groin injury, which I mentioned, like in the last two episodes now for this podcast. And he's blind because he messed around with blood magic and he had a mishap occur and, it, and you know, got blind. blind. Yeah, went blind. If the game is like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. And it's the first quarter of the day. And those effects are 24 hours and you have four quarters to a day. And you're kind of measuring those. If they don't move things along the quarter of the day doesn't go that fast. So in a two to three hour session in one night, it may go one quarter of the day. So Harrigan's character could end up blind and you know, with this groin injury for two or three months in out of game because we play every two weeks. Yeah. So that's what, that's why, that's what we started talking about was I'm like, wow, that's a lot of, I think what got me to think about, you know, keeping the end in mind is because what you said is there's, there's aspects and features of the game that you want them to encounter. You want them to 
experience, right? Some yeah, high points and pieces and parts. It's not a, like, I don't think this is a spoiler by divulging some of this stuff. No, I no, think, no. I think, I think I want to get them, you know, they want to get an artifact, right? That's like a big deal, yep, like a big magic a cool item, thing. right? That's a cool mm-hmm. thing. They want to explore, do kind of interesting things, meet interesting people. Great. You know, stronghold is a big one too in the game, which we haven't even touched on. So that's going to be something that hopefully will come up eventually and then there's the stronghold piece because then the dynamic of the game is going to switch quite a bit but i I think what's no no i was gonna say what what i like what you're doing is where you're approaching that is saying okay which made me think of my little example of something and that's very very small like hey they're bored with this thing end in mind is get them in get them the clue get them out give them the opportunity excuse me to get the clue i wasn't just going to hand it to them what you're looking at is a broader campaign perspective, which I really like is like, look, that's kind of like a bullet list of, I want them to have these five opportunities. They can capitalize on those opportunities. They could have, they could see the thing that could become the stronghold. And they could be like, yeah, this could be a stronghold. You know, not now. They could walk away. In the meantime, Russ brothers take it over. Ah, fuck. Lost our opportunity. So it's not like you're, this isn't a railroad. The Sean train isn't saying you will stop at this stop and at this stop and at this stop. You'll have these experiences i hope <laughs> but yeah, i i literally have no idea what's going to happen in the next in, in the next session and i'm okay with that but you know enough of the features of the game that you want to make sure that you're providing plus the stuff your players are asking you saying hey we'd like to encounter this we'd like to have a dungeon we'd like to have an artifact we'd like to bing 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 and i think <clears throat> keeping those things in mind from like a a game master's notes perspective. If you want to make a checklist of things, those things to keep in mind are really, really helpful because those are the pieces. Some of it goes in the backstory, or if you're using, um, I can't remember what you said, stars and something or other wishes, wishes, where it, it, that type of piece. But even just your own, sometimes it's just raw thematic, right? Like, hey, I really think in this dungeon, I'll just use a dungeon as example. It's a bugbear dungeon. You know, it'd be cool, like an ogre or a giant, maybe an Atiyug, and, you know, just, I'd like them to encounter something other than just bugbears. So here's some ideas of things that they could encounter, things that are with them in some way. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm having fun doing is mashing up monsters more and more in my first edition game that I've done in a very long time is, like I said, the giant troll that was also infected with yellow musk creeper. It's a weird thing. The player's like, oh, fuck, I get it. It's matched up. Oh, my God, we've got to deal with two, basically two monsters at once. Um, but the idea was, and I realized this, when I come to a new game session, like for my Greyhawk game coming up, I'm doing a similar thing to what you are, saying, okay, they've talked about certain things that they want to encounter or deal with or, or have happened, but I have, I have goals, too. I'm a player at this table. I really want to have them encounter this stuff, not only because I think they would like it, but I want to see what happens when this group encounters this piece and this monster and this particular thing. So now when I'm looking at different things, and even though I make up a lot of crap on the fly, I'll have some monsters were floating around my head to my, uh, to my earlier, our earlier topic of always prepping, right? Something's floating around my head saying, okay, an assassin with rock grubs in a bag. Okay, that'll be like a wicked, crazy-ass thing to do. Um, I was looking through a Monster Man the other day, and I thought about a monster who was in a different book. I'm like, Spriggans. I've yet, I have not used a Spriggan. They hate gnomes. They can turn giant size. They got backstab. This will be fun. So I've got this type of thing, this type of thing, this type of thing. All of these will be fun to use 
and I want to see what they do with them, right? So when the players are heading off in a direction, so as I'm improving, it sounds like you're having to do some improv here as well. Like, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? Having those pieces in mind, your goals, those end goals in mind, you can say, oh my gosh, they made a choice. That leads me to the stronghold idea. And I think that you're, how you explained it to me, what you want to get them to get to with those pieces and parts. I think that's really smart, man. I really do. Because that gives you as the game master, you already have some shit prepped in your head, I think, with that. You know, you, you've got you've got yeah. ideas. So if they choose to go there, you're not starting from scratch. Well, and the thing is with these with stars and wishes, I can look at their background. I can look at the stars that they, they appreciate. So stars, you, you award it. You go through them at the end of the session, and typically you do it before you hang up. Mm. We're doing it in Discord. So you get what they liked out of the session, and they're kind of throwing compliments around. And then the wishes are the things that you take that they wish they could see more of. And you can take those and go, okay, great. The only drawback to some of these is like, oh, say they want to, you know, hey, I think it'd be cool to do a dungeon crawl. Like maybe a short one doesn't have to be that great. Well, fantastic. You guys got to get to a dungeon then. So then, you know, I could easily just say, oh, you're in the hex. And, oh, you know, we're playing a night. You can see a dungeon. Great. Yeah. Yep. There's also the option where, hey, there's an entrance in the side of a cave. You're not sure where it goes. Screw that shit. I'm not going in there. Like, like, uh, uh, okay. Like, so it's like, you want the dungeon. I put it in front of you. It chose not to take it. It chose not to take it. So I don't think they have hit that point entirely at that, at this point yet. They actually went into where they are now without any reservation. Um, I'll tell you, one of the cool things with that is that you can, again, end in mind is like, look, well, they said they wanted to do a dungeon. Yeah. And you could you put a cave mouth and kind of creepiness and smoke and like I don't like that. I don't want to fucking deal with it. We're too wounded. We leave. Right. Like okay, you know what? That's fine. I right. get it. They're wounded, blind. They've got groin injuries. Got it. Right. Two sessions later, there's a castle or, or ruins, right. and there's a set of stairs going down. They walk away again. You can be like, you bastards don't want a dungeon. Right. Like, you right. you don't have to keep giving, 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 and going. Or you could also say, look, one of you, one of you motherfuckers wanted a dungeon. God damn it, get down there. Right. Right? You could be that guy, <laughs> which right. is of no use. A good way to win friends, influence people right, right. there. But I think you can you could try a couple different, you know, throw a different lure out. If you're a fisherman, you know, you throw a spoon. That's no good. Throw a crankbait. Try that. Pocket back the worms and minnows. You know, you're just casting out there. You're throwing the net, man. You're trying to you're trying to lure people in the hooks, right? As Gabe says in the chat, he says you put with a with a sign that says dungeon, right? Like, <laughs> oh, arrows! This dungeon down here. Dear Harrigan, here's your goddamn dungeon arrow. <laughs> Pick it on Harrigan. Yeah. But I, anyway, I think I love the idea, though, of people have asked about, and I, I brought this up with my, my daughter, because um, Alana was asking me for, she said she was having a hard time keeping track of, like, the main thing she wanted to do. She's like, I have an idea for a story, but I don't want to write out this. I have an idea for an adventure, not a story, excuse mm -hmm. me. And it, but I don't want to write the whole thing out because it just seems like, you guys are going to do different things, but I don't want to lose my ideas. So I started talking with her about it. It came down to a lot of what you and I just had talked about last week. And, and now is the, like, look, I want to hit these points. So this adventure has these points to it. 
or this campaign has these pieces. And I think that is a piece of how I ran the Streets of Avalon game for you in the Third Floor Wars, folks. It was, look, they're going to meet in a tavern. Um, there's a Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker. I know the NPCs. As I said, there's you know these pieces. We're going to meet in a tavern, and we'll see what happens. After that, I had some, as we went along, I'm like, thematically, I know what the monster is. You need to encounter that. There has to be a thing, a stuff, you know. But just bullet points. It's a thing that says, you know, big encounter, you know. I wanted to make sure that we toured around a bit. People got to use the Thieves Highway up on the up on the roofs. Great. You got a, a market. You got to talk about the well. You got to go into a dungeon. You know, just different aspects to feel the Avalon setting. So I'm like, okay, that's that's there. I didn't know where I was going to put those things exactly. I didn't know when they would show up or who would find them and all that good stuff. The whole concept of the Thieves Highway came in when Roman's like, yeah, that's that's how I get to the bar. Boom, I need an encounter. I'm going to put it up on the roof. That sounds like fun. I needed a I needed a place. It just it worked because I needed people to experience the Thieves Highway and I wanted a first encounter. I can match those two things right there. Because I knew conceptually I want to hit these end these endpoints. If I hit all these endpoints, I can give myself a big gold star at the end of that camp, mini campaign because I, I hit those points. It makes me feel good, right? And I think the cool thing for you with with what Forbidden Lands is offering you is you have all those features and functions and pieces and parts and other other weird euphemisms we can use, and you can constantly you can deploy them without it being like irrational, right? Within a neighborhood in Avalon. But put three or four different dungeon ideas out there and nobody goes for them. There's only so much room in the town, man. <laughs> the neighborhood's only so big. They're just like, well, they chose not to go to any of the three dungeons there. Moving on, I guess they don't want dungeons. You, on the other hand, they can go two hexes down. You could put you could change it. You could inter- introduce a borrow maze mega dungeon and have them get in it and realize they don't want a mega dungeon, and then do what I did with my Greyhawk game and certain it. Because the end goal was experience dungeon. Yeah, I don't think I, I like it. I don't think I'm gonna hit a I'm gonna uh, hit a roadblock um, necessarily. It's going to be um, it'll be it'll work itself out. But I think one thing that you were we were talking about is I say, hey, they're in this this cavern. It's mm-hmm. a tomb. They they they've come to realize it's a tomb. There are four guardians. And the guardians animate, but only after they passed, and they and they haven't attacked them. They haven't had a reason necessarily yet. Maybe I yeah. don't know. They haven't attacked them. Who knows why? And so they go into the the burial chamber, which is big. It's an antechamber, you know. And then, of course, we'll see what happens from there. Where they go, they could double back, or maybe they go in and explore, and they find something else mm-hmm. that leads them to something else. But Brett and I were talking, and I said, well, we I could turn this into, you know, you guys, you listen to this or you don't listen to it, it doesn't matter. It's not There's not any spoilers, because I don't know what the hell you're going to do. <laughs> but it could be where it, 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 it gets bigger, or I could have it come up somewhere that I want. And it could be based on some of the wishes they've put down. You know, and then what happens? So that's what kind of Brett was like, ooh, that's good. I'm going to write that down and talk about it in this week's topic. <laughs> because he's, that's what we're trying to get at is what are, what's the end goal? And if it 
if they decide to move the goalposts, I can say, all right, well, that's fine. And I can either adapt to it or leave it and just say, well, they didn't, they decided not to go down that route. And therefore they're not going to get to what I thought they would want or they would need. So the, the nice thing is like literally, you know, the, the, the nice thing is having that player agency and having the, go, you know, Ooh, we could explore. And that was one thing in forbidden lands that I wanted to give the players is lots of, not lots of choices, but a good amount of choices so that they could say, they can't just sit back and go, well, we don't, we haven't had the opportunity to do this and we haven't had the opportunity to do that. Or mm -hmm. we don't know necessarily which way to go. So I'm going to give you some leads and more leads and that those leads and these leads. And then you decide what you, what you want to do, but I can't give them too many because then it'll be paralysis. And then Sean will be like, shit, man, I got way too much stuff going on. I don't know <laughs> what to do and put in, put in front of them. Well, the cool thing too, is that I, I like what you're saying here because and I think I do this as well. I'm pretty sure I do. If I think about it is if the, the goal was, Hey, we want to have a dungeon. So they're in a tomb, they're doing their dungeony thing. And they decide we love this fucking dungeon. Right. We don't want to leave the dungeon. <laughs> you're like, all right, the dungeon gets bigger. Or if they go through, as my group said, and they're like, "We want to get out of this fucking dungeon." It got the smaller. only reason we want the only reason <laughs> we won't leave is because of. Or it, sometimes, you, I mean, this is where if you leave your plans like with this end perspective, right? Right. If you leave it that way, there's gaps for you to fill stuff in. We can box ourselves in accidentally, on purpose, sometimes, or inadvertently, or advertently, and next thing you know, you're like, "Well." Once you guys get out of this, this is the last level. They're like, oh, for fuck's sake, thank God. You know, it, it, and you could you could find yourself forcing your players to do something that you know they're kind of tired of and you you feel like it's just a slog. I can, I think this avoidance of the slog is kind of the, the core end in mind right here, right? Is I don't want it to be a slog of any kind. If the idea is we need to get to a town we need this, we need this, we need this. And their whole goals, right? They gave you all these stars and wishes. They gave you this, these ideas. You had your plots or your, your points. And everything changed because of things that occurred in the game. And they said, is there smoke on the horizon? You're like, um, why? Well, we, we need to find a village because we need somewhere to hold up. Yes, there's smoke over there, right? Did I necessarily plan a village? But it, you know what? No, that that's fine. I can use the village. They need that now. We can have the village. We can have the village encounter. And from there, I can move them back to the dungeon. Or they could go to the stronghold. Or they could go deal with this thing. Or they could go find the, you know, the droid that has all the details. Or whatever the hell you're, you're talking about. I think by doing this, you're giving yourself more space. And I think from what you explained to me about your first Forbidden Lands campaign in this one, this one feels like you have more room for yourself and the players. It just feels like you've got the right, you've got the right approach. I think I really do. The way you're attacking it is like, you've got the end and like these goals and these different bullet points. Like, Hey, we want to feature these things. I want, these are the features I want to pull out, but you're not holding, you're not staying in the ship with the guns, right? You're, you're ready to get out there and 
and change it up a little bit if you need to, and maybe move maybe move the pieces. That game really facilitates it because of being hex crawl, just moving from one hex to another. Yeah, and they could, they could speed up the timeline by just saying, we're going to stay in this. Say they take the tomb and say, it seems relatively safe here. We're going to stay here until Harrigan's character gets her sight back and isn't you know handicapped. And then I just we for fast forward run run our rolls. Hey, are you gonna hunt? You gonna forage? Yes, no. Yep, okay, make the rolls. A couple quarters go through, no problem. Maybe send them wandering monster their way, whatever. And then great. Then they move on and everybody's healthy. So we could speed it up. Hex crawls can take it could bog down significantly, and then they could also speed up quite a bit too. It's a little different for bin lands because you're literally making some rolls as you explore, mm-hmm. and some people don't want they don't need to do that brett was running his gray hawk game he decided like you travel you travel you travel some more it's all uninterrupted we're gonna get you 40 miles down the road i'm not gonna play out every hex which is yep. fine forbidden lands is beauty is part of the game and therefore that's kind of to be expected but it doesn't mean every hex has to be an ordeal correct right so yep but the other thing I think that 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 happens there is sometimes um, we as game masters will will be moaning the fact that all oh, the players are sitting there, oh they're they're not doing or whatever it is. But if you're listening to them and if they were to say, hey, in your case, we're going to stay in this tomb because we need Harrigan's character to get her sight back, no more injuries, and so and so's got a stubbed toe, and we lost this, we could really do some hunting. We saw a place we could go fishing in the lake, whatever. <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me, whatever it is that they want to do. They're using the game. They're using the mechanics. They're they're interacting with the world to do something, and it is their choice then as players to slow the action down for whatever reason. Sometimes that's just a signal that the players want to engage in the world in a slightly different way, right? And not everything has to be action, action, action. Ninjas kicking the door, orcs attack. Doesn't always have to be that way. We'll talk about that sometimes to get players off their ass, um, or to get them to stop the analysis paralysis. But this is a case where like, look, um, it feels relatively safe. Hey, we're going to stay on this starship. We're at a great bait. We're you know we're at a great place. We're docked. It's safe. We're paid up for a week. We need the rest. That's what we're doing. It's a week of R and R for the crew. Great. You do that. You can fast forward the time. You can have a little cutscenes. You can use your die rolls. You can use your downtime. Whatever it is you want to do. But those are those pieces where, again, it doesn't mess up your plans, right? You've like, hey, I wanted to feature some things. I want to do this stuff. This is not destroying where we're trying to go. Now, if the players were to say, well, you know, we get to the village, I let it on fire. What? what? Yeah, I attack the barkeeper and I stab the barmaid, then I, I shoot the dog. Why are you, what, what are you, 12? What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, that's, a, and that's just combative, bizarre ass behavior, dickhead player, whatever you want to do. But I, I think unless somebody is actively trying to fight you know, everything that's going on. Most players are really enjoy that type of thing that I've encountered. And I like, as I said, I just, the, when you explained it to me and I was talking about here, I, I really like your approach on it, man, because I think it, it doesn't box you in. And I, I wonder if this is helping you get, get over the, uh, the published module thing a little bit more. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Now, I couldn't... I'm just saying, because you've got point. You don't have to look at the text and go, well, what, where are they supposed right. to be? What's supposed to be happening? Right. There's no supposed to be. This is just what... These are points and highlights. Right. I mean, I could easily take a site out of out of a published adventure at this point. I mean, where they are, 
I mean, I could go. It's you know the entrance in this on the, in this book. You know, yep. says it's right. It's right here, and then I could, but I don't even have to have them enter this entrance. They could just already be in it, and that, and then yep. oh, you're going down the corridor. Great. So we'll see. I don't know how far this is going to go, and whether they're going to see it through to the end or double back. You know, there's a few things that they're going to have to to make choices about, even internally. Like, okay, there's the sarcophagus. Are you guys going to screw around with that or what? Well, there's probably gotta be treasure in there. It's probably the armor. Probably know? something. It's probably armor, treasure, the magical source. armor that we've come to f- to find. Maybe that's in there. Could be. Yeah. What happens with those four guardians then? Exactly. Are they guardians? I don't know. You know, uh, maybe they are animated maybe they're just, statues. I don't know. But maybe they're pretty cheesy players. Who knows? You know, maybe it's Could an be. illusion. Who I mean, Could who the be. hell knows, right? Well, tell you, man, when I when I thought about it, the other piece here is that when at the end of the Streets game with Third Floor Wars and you, um, Craig and a couple of guys said, did we do anything different? I talked about this before. And quite frankly, when I was thinking about this topic, I thought, I didn't see you guys doing something different or approaching the characters oddly, or oddly, wrong phrase, differently or with your own spin and stuff. That's great to me. I, I love that piece. But one of the things that made me feel that it was successful was I had certain features, as I said, that I wanted to make sure I highlighted. And I had the opportunity to do it. And I think it was because I don't feel it was because I leaned on you guys with a big hammer and said, you have to go down here. You need to go over there. There was opportunity when the opportunity presented itself for me to say, Hey, here's a feature. You can engage with it. Yes or no. Um, there was one feature that I didn't get to do. And that was a, um, and that was the, uh, the candlestick maker's house. I'm like, this This is going to be kind of cool if they, and it turns out they didn't. So, oh man, that was the only, if I have a regret to call it, that would be that, oh, that one feature didn't get highlighted. That's okay though. But I could tell that to the, to you guys and say, yeah, there was, there was some cool stuff in there. You guys just didn't get to it. Ah, bummer. We missed that cool stuff. Off we go. Still had fun though, because all this other cool shit happened. And I think then as a game master, I have found that by thinking about those features, those highlights, those end little bullet points that I want to make sure I touch that stuff by the end of the campaign. Um, when I when I approach it like that, I keep that type of mind frame, I don't get upset if it takes a little bit longer to get somewhere. Or if they ignore it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, that's okay. But when, I, when they do ignore it sometimes, or they don't go into the dungeon after you explain the cave, the ruins... And the tower, and they keep avoiding it. Right, like, huh, right. Do yeah. they really want the dungeon? Yeah. I'm going to say no. Or am I doing a bad job describing it? Right. So I'll take those things I missed as like, why did they not want to go see the candlestick maker's house? But Shipman explained it to me. He's like, I- I'm not doing that because it didn't make any sense. I got the kids taken care of by my man. Like, okay, cool. Based on other decisions, it, you know, I'll, I'll pan out. But I think that's um, for me anyway. That that's a a game master high. Is like, wow, I had five cool points and I got four out of the five. That's fucking aces, man. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes you only get two. And sometimes you get through a session like, wow, I, I hit all six. Holy crap. What am I going to do next week? You know, sometimes you got to move your own goalposts. You know, sometimes things have to the shift or change. And the other thing to remember is that those, um, those goals can go away. Because, Sean, I could see potentially those guys could come up and they could say, you know what? Stronghold time. 
right. making this up, right? If they find the place that they think could be a stronghold, they could forego all their stuff and focus on that. Well, that's cool. Then you have a chance to say, all right, guys, we'll pick it up in two weeks. You can go back and redo your endpoints, redo the features that you want to have. What do I want to really do to make sure that the stronghold thing is fun for them, you know, and fun for me? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm enjoying the game. I like the game itself. It's obvious I've talked enough about it. I like mm -hmm. the group that's going through it. I've contemplated after maybe Cyberpunk Red if people want to use, want to go through Forbidden Lands and I get a second group and they want to go concurrently. You know, I could I could use easily run Forbidden Lands with like two or three groups. Like it, it's not even that hard. I would just make sure I knew where, especially using Foundry. I just okay, they come across this, plop that there, make a note. The other party's wandering around somewhere else in the mm -hmm. countryside and happen to cross paths. Hey, great, it's all good. Yeah, I could even have some inter interplots. You know going on i think it would be fantastic and you know that's that would be fun i think i could run easily two groups for that thing and if one that's group awesome. said hey we're done then that's finished and the rest of the party the other group keeps going i get a different group that comes in the problem is i can't do a west marches i don't think i would feel comfortable doing a west marches with with forbidden lands simply because they're all traveling no. and it's, no, 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 it's no. not a point no. of light. Like we go out, come no. back, you know, it's just not that tight. No, it's not. It's not. But I'll tell you, man, I think what I'm hearing you're able to do now is a lot of what I like to do as well. And thinking about it more, I'm like, wow, that's because Sean's doing something similar to what I do is keep these, like these goals, these endpoints in mind. And it's much easier to build and modify encounters. Yeah. We're like, well, what was the goal? The goal was to get to the library and talk to the librarian and they're supposed to have some data for you well the players also you know ticked off so and so who um summons the hounds of tindalos huh maybe all the hounds of tindalos is going to show up there i could be kind of interesting let me keep that you know you write write the note down whatever it is but you when you know some of those points it becomes easier to modify match things up you know and do stuff with it because it's not scripted Right. It's conceptual. And I think that I, I hope we explained this right or well. And if we didn't, folks will have to, of course, be happy to tell us how terrible we did at this. But <laughs> I think um, the more you can do to limit your dependence on something, right? They've got to get through two more levels of dungeon before they can fight the dragon. They've been sick of the dungeon for the last five levels. Why do they need to do more, right? Type of thing. And if you're like, well, they're going to spend, I have this, I have a, you know, I have a space station for them to encounter. They show up at the space station and it turns out they don't give a fuck about the space station. They just want to go to, they want to do planet hopping. Space stations bore them. Well, at least they experienced the space station, which is a thing I wanted to do. They didn't explore the really cool space station I kind of wrote up and thought would be fun, full of NPCs and adventure, but uh, that's okay. That's all right. At least I, I got to do this piece. They want to go planet hopping. Planet hopping it is, you know. And sometimes these these pieces, uh, Sean, I honestly think they help drive better decisions sometimes, right? When, when people go at something and you give them an opportunity, right, they're there and they choose to, like, that was fun, but we're done with the dungeon. That gives you something to work with, man. 
it's such a huge shift from what I'm usually running because if it's, you know, yes, it's some linear published adventures. There are choices and it can kind of, the Tomb of Annihilation game that I ran was, was pretty good. There wasn't any issues and it kind of flowed and the party went with it. You know, but some of those guys could have been like, man, I am really sick of freaking traveling through this goddamn jungle and they're right in the yeah. middle of it. And no matter what direction they're going to go, unless I drop a dungeon in the middle of the jungle, it's jungle tomorrow and next yeah. week. So with Forbidden Lands and these guys, you know, they they could I could literally just take off these wishes and go, all right. I'll put that here, and if they get there, then it'll be great. And if I need to move it, maybe, maybe I'll move it, or I just added something else. And it's just much more dynamic, but it goes to what you're saying, Brad. If they just get tired of, like, we're out in the forest a lot, and we want to get to a town, great. Sure, you come across the town, you know, there's two hexes down the road, or you come across some travelers on the road, and you ask them. Do you still want to go there? I don't know. By the time you get to the second hex and you're like, you know, you might have found something else. And now the town's not a big deal. And then I can adapt and I I don't have to read the module to find out what to do next. I think you could, you could have done that with Tomb of Annihilation, right? You could have. Sure. It's more work. It's more work because what you're doing then is taking a published adventure and saying, okay, I'm going to add some features and functions to it. Does that change anything? in the canon, if you will, right? Right. What does that do to this whole setup? Which is which can be daunting for some folks and easy for others, depending what your experience is with that type of thing. But yeah, I think it's um I think it's a good it's a really good way to think about um kind of improvisational gaming because what you're doing is you're taking feedback from players. You're taking feedback from the types of things that put an idea out there. They went with it. Oh cool. And if you're not putting things out there that you're um, not prepared to deal with, right? Right. If you're like, boy, I really like to get to an artifact. I haven't read the rules for artifacts yet. Hmm. You know, you're playing a Star Wars game. You're like, you know what? I, I want them. I want them to meet their first Jedi. We're doing scum and villainy, but I want them to encounter a Jedi. Isn't Star Wars about a Jedi? I do not know the Jedi rules. How the fuck does that work? Shit. Okay. I'm not introducing him yet because I've yet to read up on how badass this Jedi is going to be. I need to do some research here because if I, you know, so again, you have timing. You can pull this in when you're ready, push it out. You're like, oh boy, they're having so much fun on space station, whatever. Eh, Push the Jedi out a little bit. You know, you can do that stuff because you're building yourself this kind of flexible approach. So anyway, man, I think that's good. You good? I'm good. Let's move on to die roll. Get into die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring and share to you. We got four this week. Some will not be surprises for some individuals. First one is Survival of uh, the Able, which is a Kickstarter that our buddy Todd Crapper is a uh, part of and going to be instrumental, I would imagine, in helping bring to fruition. It is um, a tabletop RPG about people with disabilities working together to overcome a zombie plague. And then that launches September 29th, 2021. If you see this or listen to this show, you'll have to check that out. Second one, D&D News from 
D, uh, celebration, D and D celebration, the next evolution of the gaming, uh, of gaming coming 2024 compatible with five E that is a mouthful. And I don't have a link that I could put in the chat right now, but now, I've seen, I've seen it hit the Twitter stream. And everyone's Oh my God, six edition. Ah, uh, one of my favorites was a Tim cask, a Tim cask post on Facebook. He said, okay, kids, it's okay. I'll get a corner for you here, the curmudgeon seller. We'll get together. We'll talk about your beloved game that those darn kids ruined. We'll all get together and watch them have fun. It was it was very nicely put. To, um, Cask is a fun guy, but it was uh, he he did a really he did a really nice, very tongue in cheek kind of write up. Like it happens. It's an it's a game. What are you gonna do with that type of thing? Yeah. So if you haven't heard the news, twenty twenty four, there's gonna be an evolution to the D and D game so they're all anticipating a five and a half not a, a complete new rules revamp there are going to be slip cases that are coming out with particular products that make up like tasha's cauldron there's i think um a couple others one to come out and they're going to put them together some re-releases so yeah now there is talk we got tagged in a Twitter account. I mentioned this on Saturday where somebody was saying, Hey, look at all the job openings they have. They're all digital based programming or whatever that, that you will be in its States. You will be a crucial member of a team that'll be involved in the next iteration of D and D world's most popular role-playing game. And of course we got hit up and, you know, hey, what are your thoughts of what it looks like? And of course, one had one person had a thread about, well, it's going to be a digital initiative. It's going to be, you know, virtual tabletop. How how is that going to have a fallout in the rest of the industry? You know, how is that going to affect places like? Roll you and I have 20? talked about this. Yeah. I was just going to say, you and I have talked about this before. Is like, when are they going to, as the largest entity or whatever, take control? of their product on their tabletop. When is that going to happen? I'm wondering if that's a, 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 a move. And part of me is like, huh, interesting. I still know how to play my game the way I play it. That's good on you. When, I'm, I'm, when are we going to stop giving money to D&D Beyond for selling our product? When are we going <laughs> to stop giving one bookshelf money to have DMs Guild on there? When are we going to stop? Yeah. Allowing people to use our stuff on Roll Twenty and having them take a cut of our product. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I I, I don't know. Wizards and digital has never there. It's never peanut butter and chocolate, man. Well, at least uh, whoever heads this one up, hopefully they don't um, like murder people, like the last guy. So, oh, well, fair. So that's the hashtag too soon. Hashtag too soon. It's been, I mean, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. That's a fact. Uh, anyway, point being, this is flippant. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, neat. Chris Shore mentioned was, it. Tasha's, Xanathar's, and Mordenkainen's yeah. monsters. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this, and my buddies and I have talked about this. I've even had this conversation with my kids. I said, look, here's the deal. This is, I, I like RPGs, like my first edition, like second, third, uh, even. I like Pathfinder, like fifth edition. I like Middle Earth Roleplay. I like all this stuff I have. Simber Room. Forbidden Lands, I've got a copy of you know, read that. Man, this sounds cool. I can play this. I can play this. I, I just because it dies or stops being supported or they put a new edition out doesn't mean I need to one run out and buy it. And two, if I'm not if I'm having fun doing what I'm doing, I don't need that stuff. They say every so we'll time, see. every time they do it though, you lose 
market, you lose your, you use a slice of your audience. Except that fifth edition is like selling like fucking crazy. It's selling like crazy now, but when they oh, come in 2024. And this is where I think it, you know, a repackaging and a digital initiative. We'll see. Anyway, we can, fuck, whatever we say today, like, oh, obviously, I can't say obviously because I don't fucking know. I don't I, know what they've been doing. I'm not I worried about role. Tw- Here's the thing. If I, I were care. D&D Beyond, they're, they're owned by fandom. So fandom, if they've got a huge... Hey, if, that, if, if D&D Beyond is putting big bank into their pockets, then I'd be shitting my pants if I was fandom. Like, the, all, yeah. like end of discussion. But that's the price you pay when you put all your fucking eggs in one basket. Yep. Ask Paizo. Yes. <laughs> they came around, they survived, yeah. but not without panic-stricken, like, holy shit, we don't have Dungeon or Dragon magazine anymore. Yikes. It's just kind of, this is one of the pieces of, it's it's a corporation, It's a it's it needs to make money, it needs to do stuff. Right. And you cannot just make another book. At a certain point, you have to do something. You just do. I'm, I'm, why did why did why did Simbroom make a five E? Why didn't they just keep making Simbroom? Because there's this market there. There's a mar- huge market in five E. Yeah, that's yeah. dumb not to try to use that. So, so we'll see what happens. We will see what happens, won't we? What else you got? Fourth anniversary of Call of Cthulhu. Forty fortieth. I say fortieth. Fourth. Fourth. You said fourth. I said fortieth. No, you didn't. You the said fourth. Fourth zero. <laughs> and zero. That's a sweet looking well, book, man. They had it at Gen Con. Shit. I should have told somebody pick me up a copy, but it's coming in October. I think. God damn. Yeah, I know Brad. He's gonna get it. That's uh, actually look really good <laughs> next to my other one. Yeah. <laughs> so Gen Con, they had a uh, limited run, and then October they're gonna take orders. It's it's black and red. It looks pretty cool. If you're a Call of Cthulhu person if you're not yeah, you, you can do shits um yeah, and then if cool. you got two billion dollars lying around um you know you could buy asmode <laughs> yeah <laughs> owner's looking euros, to sell the company for oh, two billion euros which is even more than two billion dollars uh, as far as i know yeah yeah you're, you're held by a holding company that's what they do they buy it for a billion and they sell it for two like yeah, this is this is what happens. Holding companies don't hold on to everything for long. Private it's more of a juggling firms. company. Yeah, it's more just, of a juggling company. That's it. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Just keep it popping. Brett knows the deal. I mean, I do. So that is all I have for die roll for this fancy week in gaming and BS. I want to thank everybody for coming here and joining Brett and I on YouTube Live. I think we're going to stick with YouTube Live moving forward. Um, and then if you want to, uh, give us a like or subscribe, if you haven't already, thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. Otherwise you, we're going to release this in audio as usual. Um, and you can find that at our audio, your audio podcatcher of choice. Otherwise I don't think I have anything else to say. All right, man. Otherwise next I'm, week. Yeah. Next, well, next week, week we're gonna what are we talking about, about Brett? We're talking about the end is near this. We're going to talk about the uh, ending, um, Talking about ending a campaign, like the announcement of it, knowing exactly how many sessions a thing is and so forth. Oh. It just happened to me. And uh, there's, there's got, some, a, got some thoughts on it. There's a couple people, at least one in our Discord, that's like, 
the group says, hey, when are we going to be done with this? Yeah, I mean, so we're going to talk about that. So, oh, goody. that's the deal. The, the end is near. <laughs> the end is near. That's it. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in next week. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Merkel Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValle, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Brasslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grochon, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Thorkus, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Pradzik, Stacy Winters, Nick Westbrook, and John Mahoney. Hey, if you've liked what you've heard on this podcast, do us a favor and let a friend know. Well, even better, let a f- somebody that you don't like know about it. Have them take a listen. Have them subscribe. You never know. They might actually enjoy us and actually come over to our Discord and write into Random Encounter and be one of our best friends. Yeah. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.